0: Today on Focal Point with Pastor Mike Fabares.
1: Adorning the doctrine of God, that is what this sermon is about. And I want to be very specific. It's about your sacrificial generosity. I want you to say, how beautiful am I to my non-Christian coworkers, my non-Christian neighbors? How beautiful am I within our church? Am I willing to sacrificially be generous only when it's convenient, only when it's 0.00004% of what of my time or my effort? Or am I willing to really be expended?
0: If you're a Christian, you've been saved by grace, and there's nothing you did to earn that. So does it matter what you do after you're saved? Today on Focal Point, Pastor Mike Fabares explains why we should live a good life, a life worthy of the gospel. I'm Dave Drury. Previously, we heard about a woman named Tabitha, who was full of good deeds. And when she died, many people mourned her loss. We're in Acts chapter 9, verse 36 as Pastor Mike wraps up a message titled Prepared by a Godly Example.
1: You need to have a life that befits not only people really mourning for you when you're lost because they'd love to have you back, but living a life that befits that foundational paradigm which is the resurrection of the righteous. Number two, let's put it down that way. I want to make sure I'm that way, even just in a theological sense. I want to live the life. I want to be the life that befits the resurrection. Number two, be the life that befits, that's appropriate to, that, that makes sense, that is corresponding with the resurrection. Because here's what the Bible says about the resurrection. There's so many passages we could look at. Let me just quote a couple for you. How about this one? Daniel chapter 12, verses 2 and 3 and many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth will awake, some to everlasting life and some to shame and everlasting contempt. It says this, and those who are wise shall shine like the brightness of the sky above, and those who turn many to righteousness, I don't know, like Tabitha, they'll shine like the stars forever and ever. Christ says you are to be light, be light light in the world. you don't take light hide it under a bushel you are a light you shine it you put it on a hill and you let everyone see it you put it on a pedestal the lamp and the bible says let them so let your light shine before men so people that are living those kinds of good lives guess what they then get resurrected and they all get assembled it's the small gate and the narrow road proportionally it's a small segment of society but I'd like to be a part of that light shining group the children of righteousness not just judicial justified righteousness I get all that but you're saved for good works real good works works that are good that God loves to quote the scripture, right? The Psalms say he loves, God is righteous. He loves these righteous works. He loves that. And he wants them to collect those people that do those righteous things. And he wants to put them there. Is it of grace? I get it's of grace, but he puts them there. I'm stretching your theology now. And there becomes a place where all the righteous people get to live. And then it's on steroids because there's no flesh to encumber it. There's no tempter to let us, to, to make us fall, to, to lead us into temptation. All that's done the lights get like fuel poured on them and then they're burning brightly. They're, I mean, I'll just read it. They're, they're, like, they're like the brightness of the sky above. And people that are, are, are really making a difference in this world now, they're like shining like stars, like this these eruption of the fusion of this light forever and ever. Old Testament, man, you don't know your Bible. That's Old Testament, Pastor Mike. I'm glad you said that. Matthew 13. Jesus talks about two destinies. He says the Son of Man is going to come, he's going to gather the kingdom, he's going to take all these lawbreakers, throw them into the fiery furnace. Verse 43 of Matthew 13, he says, And then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their Father. You got the darkness and the wicked, the unjust, the unrighteous, and then you have the righteous and the righteous that are that are doing righteous deeds they get now placed into the kingdom where they can shine and there's no darkness around them are you saying we're saved by works that's what you I'm not saying that have i denied that charge yet to you but i am saying this if you are a christian you will practice righteousness and that righteousness befits eternal life i want you to think if your life was the kind of life that was going to inhabit the kingdom is that what you would want there does you think what God would want? You think that's what I would want there? You think your friends would want that life there? I need you to be that life now. Oh, it'll be on steroids then. It will be inflamed then. He will just put every fuel possible on that light, but the light needs to be shining now. Your sacrificial generosity, your good works, your acts of charity ought to be exploding now, because then they will explode like the fusion of stars and the sun in the kingdom. If you want to turn to one, how about this, Luke 14? Look at verse 12. He said also to the man who had invited him to this dinner. He was at a dinner. So it's a good illustration, right? Apt on the circumstance, and here it comes. Hey, when you give a dinner or a banquet, do not invite your friends or your brothers or your relatives or your rich neighbors. What? No, don't, 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 don't do that. Lest they also invite you in return and you be repaid. <laughs> so what's the point? Right? If everything you do is so that you can kind of have, like, like, the I'll scratch your back, you scratch mine, I'll pick up the tab this time, but I know he's going to pick up the tab the next time. If that's, my, if that's my idea of generosity, which is really not generosity, because I know it's just like, we're going to have a party at my house this week, we'll have a party at your house next week, and I just, well, we'll all share the work and we'll, you know, I'll do it a little bit now, you do it later. If that's your idea, that's not generosity. It's not righteousness. As Jesus said elsewhere, right? the, 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 the sinners treat other sinners good when they know they get good in return. Even the tax collectors, right? They're kind to the people that are kind to them. No, when you give a feast, I mean when you're pulling at all the stops, when you're ordering not just pizzas from Costco, but you're really preparing stuff in your oven all day long. When you got a feast going on, the barbecue's going, you're working, you're sweating, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, people that can't earn money so they don't have money in our society, in this ancient society, right? Um, Then you're going to be blessed, you're going to be blessed because they cannot repay you. That's real Dorcas, Tabitha-style generosity. For you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous, of the just, Dekaios, Greek word, the righteousness. The righteous are going to be practicing righteousness in this life, sacrificial generosity. They're going to be beautiful lives. They're going to be light shining in a dark place. And those lives not only are going to shine even more brightly in the kingdom, but God's going to dump all kinds of rewards on them. That's the life I want to live now. I'm not going to say, well, I'm really going to be righteous when I get there. I'll really be sacrificial when I get there. Then I'm going to go the extra mile, stay the extra hour, and spend the extra hour, because I just can't wait to be in heaven, because then I'll live righteously. Got to do it now. Romans 2, I don't even have time for that. You could look at so many passages, you think, it looks like he's saying that we earn our salvation by seeking immortality and life and doing good. They earn this resurrection. Well, it doesn't say earn, but it does say they get it because they're shining this bright light, and they're turning, to use the, the words of, of Daniel 12, turning many to righteousness. I want your infectious, attractive, good works, and acts of charity, your sacrificial generosity, to be transformative in other people's testimonies. I wanted to start here in the church. Galatians chapter six, do good to all people as you have opportunity. First, he says, and foremost to the household of faith. So I want to work hard at being loving and sacrificial here. And then when my neighbor is trying to take a TV out of the back of his car, I'm the first one there. When there's a problem at night, I always tell those, call on me first. I want to be the person at my office where you can count on me. If you need someone to go the extra mile, stay the extra hour or spend the extra hour, you can count on me. You got to be that person. You know what that starts? It chips away at that bunch of arrogant, narrow-minded, Bible-thumping hypocrites starts to work work away at that. Be the life that befits the resurrection. I know this is a resuscitation, but the paradigm works, right? I want to be that life now. I need to be that life now. I'm called to be that life now. Verse 40, back to our text. Peter put them all outside. He knelt down. He prayed, turned to the body, said, Tabitha, arise. She opened her eyes. When she saw Peter, she sat up. He gave her his hand, he raised her up, calling everyone in the saints, the Christians, and the widows. And the widows may not have been Christians within that church. They might have been people within the community because she's doing acts of charity outside the walls of the church. I mean, there may be a distinction there. A lot of commentators say, well, there's no distinction there. Well, there might be a distinction there. It seems to be a distinction there. There are people that were being benefited, like next door neighbor non Christians, I hope, come to my funeral. They say, well, we miss him. Sure like to have him back. He was a good neighbor. If I move away from my neighborhood, I hope they'd say, I wish he were back. If I work in a non-Christian environment and I, have to, I take another job across the country, I hope they say, well, I wish he were still here, even though I don't believe all his religious stuff. Calling him together, he presented her alive, that became known throughout, all throughout Java. And many believed in the Lord. By the demonstration of power, yeah, 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 I'll give you that. That's a mind-boggling miracle. But also because the life of this woman had prepared them for that, I'm quite Sure. She had a reputation of this. She was a beautiful woman. I mean, in the gates, they praised her. Peter stayed there. Transitional verse into chapter 10. We'll get to that. I'd like my life to be that kind of compounding echo of the gospel. Let's put it that way. Number three, you need to make your new life, resurrected life. Let it echo the gospel. And I just wonder, what was Tabitha's like conversation to other people after this? I mean, the next tunic she gave away, I just wonder how that all went. Just like... I'm back. It's, it's a weird thing, but I'm assuming, and again, just to stretch the paradigm here a little bit, that her new life post-resuscitation, she wanted to make sure she's shiny. Do you think she went even like the extra two miles and the extra two hours and the extra two dollars? I'll bet she did a lot. I bet she gave and spent and was gladly expending her life for other people. And I'm sure she wasn't afraid to lead with the message that she wanted people to know, which is, you know what? It's really not about Coming back to this filthy, dirty life, because really, I'd be much happier on the other side. But I was called back because I was needed, I was depended on, I was loved. People wanted me around, and I'm around now to tell you, you need to put your trust in Christ. This was an evangelistic life. I bet she doubled down on the good works and acts of charity, and I'm sure she continued to lead with a message that the whole book of Acts is about, and that is you turn epistrepho or metanoia, right, the words for repentance. Turning to the Lord, which we saw at the end of last week's passage. And now this week, right, to believe it, trust Him. That's it. A penitent faith, turning and trusting. And I'm sure this is her, her life. This is her purpose for, for living. I'm going to do good works because I know this adorns our doctrine. Matter of fact, that's a great passage. We got to look at that real quick. Can we do that? Titus chapter 2. Titus chapter 2. That phrase, adorning the doctrine of God, that is what this sermon is about. And I want to be very specific. It's about your sacrificial generosity. I want you to say, how beautiful am I to my non-Christian coworkers, my non-Christian neighbors? How beautiful am I within our church? Am I willing to sacrificially be generous only when it's convenient, only when it's 0.00004% of my time or my effort? Or am I willing to really be expended? Okay, well, if you are, to the extent that you are, not only will you be depended on by those widows in the passage. Not only will you be wanted back, right, beloved, but you're going to be evangelistic just by your life. Make your new life an echo of the gospel. Take a look at Titus chapter 2. Look at verse 7. Drop down to verse 7. Show yourself in all respects to be a model of good works. Do you think that fits Tabitha's life? Absolutely. I mean, she is the poster child of this verse, right? Show yourself in all respects to be a model of good works. And in your teaching, that doesn't mean you have to be a teacher for this passage, but you know what? You need to be the person as you say things about Christ and the truth of the gospel and why we're necessarily narrow about the truth because the truth has edges to it. Show integrity and dignity and sound speech that cannot be condemned so that an opponent doesn't like what we believe may be put to shame because they have nothing evil to say about us. Look at how that guy is willing to cut my lawn. I mean, man, it's hard for me to speak evil about those people overturning the bad reputation. Bond servants, you should be submissive to your own masters. Now that's a terrible place to be, right? You don't have your freedom. You got to, you conscripted this one person, not American slavery, but you know, Greco-Roman slavery. It's still, right? You're at the bottom of the totem pole. You got a, ma- a master who's got complete sovereignty over you in terms of your career, at least, and your life in many, many cases. It's certainly the definition of the word loss." bond servants. But you know, be submissive in everything. Be well-pleasing, right? There to be well-pleasing and not argumentative. Not pilfering, but not being in it for money, right? That's what generosity is all about. But showing all good faith, they can trust you. So that in everything, here it is, underlined. it, they may adorn the doctrine of God our Savior. They know you as a bondservant. You say you're a Christian. You say you're a follower of this Jesus of Nazareth. Make that look good. Make your new life echo this message. Let it echo it beautifully, adorn. What a great word. Grace of God has appeared. Bring salvation, right? It's not about earning it. No, God's grace has come. But what does it do? It trains us to renounce ungodliness, clocking out early, cutting corners, doing what's comfortable and convenient, all the worldly passions and all the stuff that we want to do. No, but to live self-control. Getting up out of my recliner when I don't want to get out of my recliner. Upright, godly lives in the present age. Right now, when it's hard, we're waiting for the blessed hope. We can't wait for Christ to return. The appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, the King the king of life, the king who can give life, even through his apostle. In Acts chapter 9, Christ, he gave himself for us to redeem us, to buy us, to get our our sin redeemed from us and and expunged from us. All that happened on the cross. It is about grace, but he's changing us and he's putting us on a path to redeem us and to free us from all our sin, to free us so that we can have all this lawlessness out of our lives, to purify for himself a people that are going to shine. Their own possession, and they are zealous for good works. The Bible says we are light in a dark place. I want you to leave this church service and say, I am going to burn brighter. I want to shine brighter. I want the contrast between the selfish person in the world and my selflessness to be so obvious. I'm going to do it, whatever it takes. I would like to have the Apostle Paul, if he knew me, say of me what he said of Timothy in Philippians when he said, I have no one else like him with a genuine concern for your welfare. And you know, like a son with his father, how he served me in the gospel. Think that through. His genuine concern for the welfare of people was an element under the umbrella of the gospel ministry that he had of winning people to Christ. Timothy's sacrificial Real wholehearted, I'm going to put my interest in the back and your interest in the front. That kind of sacrificial generosity, he said, was a service in the gospel. He is winning people to Christ through this. It's more than just your life. Now, you people that are afraid of speaking about the gospel, it's not about that. It's not that dumb statement about, you know, preach the gospel and if necessary, use words. Well, no one can preach the gospel without words right? So you got to use words. Matter of fact, I'd say you lead with words. People at work should know you're a Christian, and then they ought to be able to watch your life and say, this guy is the most generous guy in our office. This gal is the most generous person in our neighborhood. She's willing to spend and be expended for us. She's adorning that stuff I don't believe, that offensive, Christian, narrow-minded, Bible-thumping, fundamentalist views of everything. I really like the person, though. I don't know anybody that does what they do, Adorn the gospel so that Paul can say about you if he knew you, they're advancing the gospel. I got no one with that kind of Tabitha attitude She's going to stay up late and build dresses for people that can't buy them on their own. Her life became a sign, obviously, and I'm sure she faithfully, we don't know anything about her, anything else about her, but I can only imagine, right, she pointed people to Christ. She was pointing people to Christ before she was resuscitated. I mean, a little bummed that she probably had to come back, but she came back and she did her work and she pointed people to Christ, a sign. I know people wrongly think that there's a miracle on every page of the Bible, there's not. Less than a hundred breaking of natural laws in the scripture, somewhere around 87, 89. If you think about resurrections, less than 10 throughout the entire biblical history, 1,400 years. Christ, well, he was raising people left and right. Three resurrections, Christ performed three Right, I've named them all here today, I think. Well, except for one, the first one. The raising of the widow's son. Well, I we don't know how old he is, but it was very clear. Widow, son, usually that means the mom is dependent on the son, and the son would become the source of provision for the mom. Because she's a widow. She can't make the money. In that society, certainly, she can't go find a secretarial job. So she is dependent on her son. And so that son is dead and everyone's mourning and Christ comes in much like we see in Tabitha's experience. Here are the widows going, we're depending on Tabitha. And the beauty of that arrangement that this grown son could care for her mother, he resurrects her. It's a great example of that. The other one is Jairus' daughter, which I did mention. She's 12 years old. I mean, I know there are some 12-year-olds maybe that aren't easy to like, but most 12-year-olds, I like 12-year-olds, right? They're fun. They're a good age just fun. And you love them. And you think about how hard it would be to bury your 12-year-old. Rough. I've fact, done it. Not my own, but I've done services. Heartbreaking. Heartbreaking, not because they're super productive and, you know, they're bringing in an income. And what am I going to do to replace my, my 12-year-old's income? Not, I mean, no one thinks like that. Just my beloved child. There was that love, that, that attraction that, that I, I want her back. I want my daughter back. Jairus, of course, didn't even have a thought that Christ would do that. He wanted him to come when she was sick, but he delays on purpose, comes and raises his daughter. Another picture that reflects the Tabitha picture of them saying, we love her. Then the third one, which reminds me of our third point, Lazarus, John 11. Christ does more in that resurrection as recorded in the Gospels than any other in describing that this is the paradigm of the real thing. He asked Mary and Martha, the sisters, do you, do you, he's, do you think he's going to rise? Well, I know he's going to rise on the last day. He affirms all of that. There will be a resurrection of the righteous and the unrighteous, the just and the unjust. There's going to be that, just like we read in, in, in Daniel 12. And we trust he's going to rise again, going to rise in the resurrection of the just, the righteous. He said, but you need to know this. I am the resurrection life, right? Whoever believes in me, trust me, same word that's used in our passage. Even if he dies, yet shall he live. It's a really, not about being resuscitated. Now I'm gonna resuscitate your brother and that's gonna happen. And everyone's gonna be happy after four days in a a grave. I mean, it's gonna be a good thing. But really it was about him, so much so, being a sign of Christ's power that the Pharisees and leaders wanted to kill him. Because he, like Tabitha, I'm sure, became a sign and an indicator of the real deal, which is you better trust in Christ because it's our only hope when you cross the threshold from this life into the next. The only reason you have any hope at a funeral is because we see people that have put their trust in Christ. The widow's son, people depended on that son. They depended on Tabitha. Jairus's daughter, the love that they had. We, We loved her. We want her back. Same thing in Tabitha's life. And the sign, Lazarus, You see those three movements that we've tried to highlight today in the only three resurrections Christ ever performed. I'd like you and I to be Tabitha in our world. And I want you to be beautifully generous. And I want you to do that so that we might see more people enter the kingdom. That it might be that much like in Joppa, there might be a wave of new Christians in South Orange County because we overturned The bad reputation that they naturally have because of the evil one in our culture, blinding the eyes of of the unbelieving, that we would see that shipped away at because of the way you live and the way that I live. May God strengthen us to that end.
0: You're listening to Focal Point with Pastor Mike Favares and the conclusion of a message called City of Joppa, Prepared by a Godly Example. To listen to the full-length version, please visit our website, focalpointradio.org, or download the Focal Point app. We're here to provide you with daily encouragement, guidance, and solid biblical teaching. Our program is widely available and fully funded by listeners just like you who want to hear God's unfiltered, uncensored word. And we're grateful for the support we receive, especially the faithful monthly support of our Focal Point partners. When you make a monthly gift, you provide the much-needed financial stability to share these gospel messages with more and more people. So please become a Focal Point partner today. It's easy to set up your monthly donation or make a one-time gift when you click on the Give button in the Focal Point app or online at focalpointradio.org. You can even give us a call at 888-320-5885. And to show our gratitude, we'll send you Dr. Jeremiah Johnston's outstanding book titled Body of Proof. This straightforward, accessible, and practical book examines the latest archaeological and textual findings and presents seven tangible, fresh reasons to believe that Jesus really rose from the dead and why it matters today. Request a copy for yourself or for a loved one when you make a generous financial contribution to Focal Point. Call 888 320 or give online at focalpointradio.org. Or if you prefer, you can reach us by mail when you... Write to Focal Point, Post Office Box 2850, Laguna Hills, California 92654. And if you're not ready to give just yet, we'd still love to hear from you. When you get in touch, we'll gladly send you a helpful free pamphlet called Palm Sunday to Easter. Get a clear picture of the crucial events from Palm Sunday to Easter and better understand the historical happenings that led up to our sacred celebration. Request your copy when you call 888-320-5885 or contact us online at focalpointradio.org. And tomorrow on Focal Point, Pastor Mike will share the next installment in our series of amazing conversions. It's the transformation of a man called Cornelius. I'm your host, Dave Druey, inviting you to join us again Tuesday for more Focal Point.
1: Pastor Mike here. You know, we live in a culture where every point of view demands affirmation. It'd be easy to tell people what they want to hear, but we must teach the Bible accurately, unapologetically, and without compromising and without editing it. God's word is truth. If you want to send me a
0: question, I encourage you to get in touch with us at focalpointradio.org. Today's program was produced and sponsored by Focal Point Ministries.